Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewcast. My name is Gareth. I'm the creator of Skewed and Reviewed, which you can catch at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, pop culture, entertainment, travel, and more. We also can be found at Sci-Fi Radio, where you may be hearing this episode, as well as various syndicated sites. Uh, game reviews are on N4G. You can see a bunch of our uh, past video game reviews on uh, Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L-Central.com, keyword skewed. And uh, that's a network of newspapers. We have our magazine that's coming out. Uh, next issue is due out uh, probably within the next week. And, of course, we have skewed and reviewed um, on KSWFM, which you can definitely Look forward to uh, hearing new segments. We'll have a new one out very soon as well on KSWFM. I'm joined, as always, with Justin and Michael. And we've had kind of a crazy week because I had a bunch of film screenings this week. Everybody's been out. We didn't get to do our normal weekend recording. So here we are recording it late in the week. And lo and behold, it actually turned out to be a pretty good thing because there was a lot of news breaking in the last few days. And uh, we'll be discussing that as well as the recap of Star Wars Celebration. But before we get into that, I just wanted to mention something a little off base. Um, every now and then we get asked to review some products for either the home, uh, pool stuff we've had, uh, travel stuff, and that sort of thing. Because it all incorporates into what we do with being in an office, being on the road, and of course being at home. And this company uh, called Just Pure Foods, and easily enough URL, JustPureFoods.com, has a brand new product called tomato chips, and they come in three flavors, cheese, barbecue, and jalapeno. I've only tried the cheese one right now, but I got to say, I was really impressed. I got in, and I looked at the label, and it says, you know, vegan, nut-free, gluten-free, plant-based, keto-friendly, non-GMO, and I thought, okay, it's going to be basically, I had this image of a potato chip type thing that just happens to have a tomato flavoring to it, and I could not have been... Uh, more wrong. These are um, low-temperature dried tomatoes, and imagine literally that, a dried tomato slice. So take a tomato, cut it into little slices, dry it in so you have a bag full of these, and they come with flavoring. So this one particularly, as I said, came with a cheese flavoring to it, and they're quite crunchy. You know, it, uh, not like a chip where you crunch it and it breaks into powder. It was essentially like eating a dried tomato because that is 100% exactly what it is. They only have 50 calories in a bag. And I got to say, you know, I was really impressed. I'm not somebody that shies away from tomatoes, but I don't normally eat tomatoes on their own. If they're in a salad, I like to put things over them, you know, in a sandwich, that sort of thing. These were really good. And I look forward to trying uh, the other flavors because that was a pretty impressive alternative to uh, potato chips, corn chips, and the like. So, guys, let's take a look at what happened last weekend. We had Star Wars Celebration. We got lots of news about the upcoming TV shows. We had a fantastic episode of The Mandalorian drop the other day. We're all very excited uh, about the possibilities of the final season of The Bad Batch. Ahsoka's looking good. Very excited to see where Andor is going to go. And, of course, we have The Acolyte. Uh, but... In all of this, we also got news of three films, but we also didn't get a lot of details as to when they might happen, and uh, also we kind of heard that the scripts weren't done, 
so on and so forth. And I don't know about you, but it automatically put my shields up when I thought, hmm, haven't we heard of a lot of films and projects announced or um, pending that never came to light because of this? And maybe going up on stage and announcing three films when you don't have a final script or a start date might not be the best idea. Justin, start us off. What do you think? Yeah, it was a pretty big Star Wars celebration. Uh, as you mentioned, there was a lot of things announced, quite a lot of things announced, a lot more than uh, than I thought there would be. Um, you know, and overall, you know, I think some people will probably see this as basically the uh, the essentially relaunching of of Star Wars. Not not that it's been dormant by any means. We, we've had a lot of shows, obviously, but um, since um, Episode Nine the film side has been kind of dormant a little bit quiet we don't really know we didn't really know what was going on uh there was um an announcement of Rian johnson working on his own trilogy among other movie pro- uh, projects as well um and then we didn't really hear, hear anything for a long time um until now and now you know this was kind of like a big deal <laughs> given how many movies that they announced so they like you mentioned they announced three movies kind of spread across a very large amount of time frame so there's one that uh james mangold is um directing that is uh set at the very beginning of the timeline um essentially when the jedi form uh which is uh you know i'll I'll come back to that in a second the second one is um a dave filoni uh, mandoverse movie um so basically taking place around the time of uh, mandalorian and Ahsoka Tano, TV show, and basically post uh, episode six, but before episode seven. And then there is a sequel movie to episode nine, uh, which sees uh, Daisy Ridley returning as uh, Rey. So basically you got a beginning, middle, and uh, future um, movie, basically in, in development, among all these other TV shows. So we've got... Um, you know, Book of Boba Fett season two is uh, apparently still going on. Um, we've got another season of, uh, let's see, Andor. Um, that that one actually has a, a solid date to it. Um, we've got the Acolyte TV show. Um, you know, obviously the Mandalorian. Uh, there there is a lot going on here, and I think. You know, what you just mentioned is kind of the thing I took away from this, too, which is, you know, oh, yeah, I mean, these sound cool and all, but uh, like, let's let's wait and see uh, these if these actually manifest, because like the Rian Johnson movies, um, apparently we're, I'm, you know, I've read that that might be just indefinitely on hold now. Um, so, you know, uh, with these movies. And just like with any movies, if they get announced, it really until they go actually go into production and like people are assembling sets and yeah, there's filming dates and things like that. I'm usually fairly skeptical about movie projects because they really, I mean, that's when movie projects die is in the in the infancy before scripts are written and before people have actually like you know set dates for filming. Um, so. I think it was very exciting. Uh, you know, the announcements were very exciting, but it's one of those where uh, these could happen. They also could not happen. So they sound good on paper, but we'll have to wait and see, you know, 
you know, again, what, like what what they're about. We don't really know. We know when they're set. We don't really know what the premises of, of these movies are. Um, but we'll have to see what they're about and if they actually manifest. Michael, your take, please. Yeah, I was taking notes on what Justin was talking about because he made so many good points. I was trying to, to counter some of those points that he had. Um, so, yeah, I one thing that you both agree with, and that was the very first thing I thought, is why are we announcing movies that haven't really started yet? I understand they want to get the movie franchises kicked off because they've been kind of stagnant for a while. There's been a lot of announcements uh, that have not come to fruition, whereas the Disney Plus, the shows have been, you know, steadily being released they've been getting steadily updates so i think there was some need they felt a need that they needed to talk about the big screen and bringing movies back to the theater and that they weren't going to just focus on streaming but i i worry because this is has been well in the past i don't know at this point four or five years this has been kind of their the, the thing they do, right? They announce all these great movies, then something bombs or something doesn't do well, and they and they walk it all back, or they have a change in director, they have a change in um, how things are being taken. Maybe something on Disney Plus does really good, and they need to and they want to turn that into a movie. Maybe some of these Disney Plus shows begin to lose interest, just because we're getting a lot of them, and the and that drives down the interest in a theatrical release. I mean, there's just so many things that can happen. Between now and then, I'd rather they wait and give us something definitive as opposed to throwing a bunch of stuff at us and then saying, you know, hopefully they'll forget about some of the things we mentioned and they'll just focus on the things that we're releasing. Uh, you know, for one, like the Daisy Ridley one, there's already been a bunch of backlash, and I don't necessarily think it's deserved, but there is a bunch of backlash because her Ray, that character wasn't really well received by a lot of the fan base. And we know the Star Wars fan base can be very committed, I guess, when they like or dislike something to a level that can be a little bit unhealthy, in my opinion. Star Trek fans are, are the same way. Uh, whether or not that that changes some of this or drives some of these things, I don't know. Uh, but again, it, it didn't get very good. There wasn't a lot of good feedback about that, which again, I'm not saying that was deserved or not. I, I think the sequels... The sequel trilogy tends to get a lot of backlash, and again, whether or not all of that's deserved, I don't know. But again, that does tend to focus, you know, change some of the direction of some of these shows. So I get a little leery when we start talking about things that are six, seven, eight years potentially down the road. Now I know Kathleen Kennedy said that they're quote unquote very far along, but very far along without any details isn't really a mild post that I want to, you know, stand by. So I'll. I'll kind of wait and see what happens. Again, we've been that we've had so many movie announcements that just haven't come out that of these three, it would not surprise me if one or two get canceled or shelved. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll kind of see where that goes. Now, from the from the show perspective, I don't think there was a lot of stuff that we ha we hadn't already heard about. Um, Ahsoka, the the new trailer looks pretty good. Obviously, that's a continuation of the Star Wars Rebels cartoon, which I thought was fantastic. So it's, it'll be you know good to see those characters brought to life in a live action in a live action movie uh, or show. Um, the chopper that they used for that show and that was shown in Rogue Squadron, I actually got to see that chopper, that exact one, at WonderCon. Um, the Rebel um, 
Droid building group, uh, fan group, um, is contacted a lot by LucasArts, and a lot of their droids are featured in uh, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, uh, the various movies. So I got to see some or a lot of the ones that were featured in the uh, various shows in person and got to talk to uh, some of the folks who actually did that for the movies. So um, it's good to see um, the fan base get some recognition in a lot of their projects, uh, which are taken on as fan projects. Um, they become the go-tos when Lucasfilm needs a new droid for a show or, or something like that. So again, I, li I liked what we saw there. Um, you know, they, they showed off the Acolyte, which is going to kind of talk about the, the bad side, uh, right, which gets a lot of people excited, versus featuring just the good guys. Skeleton Crew, uh, what I heard about it and, and what, I've, what I've heard mentioned, I don't really know how I feel about that. Again, I didn't get to see the trailer. I know there's a Goonies inspiration. It's based on, you know, the, the kids and, and how, you know, their whole take on that. Again, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, Disney tends to knock these things out of the park. So I'm not going to discount it, but I'm a little, a little iffy on that one. Um, obviously, um, you know, we got to see a little bit more about the upcoming games. I uh, talked about some of the new um, other things that are going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. Uh, obviously, we've seen where The Mandalorian has gone and, and where we think that's going to take off uh, with the potential uh, film adaption following that uh, series as well. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff to digest, a lot of things that were, were shown. Uh, again, I take a lot of it with a grain of salt because, again, they haven't been, had, been, had a really good reputation recently with their announcements and what's actually come to fruition. Um, but, I, but again, I like that. I like the Ahsoka kind of taking on the Timothy, Timothy Zahn heir to an empire take, um, taking potentially some of that uh, novel, obviously not all of it because it's legends and a lot of it's already been kind of messed up with how the, the other, this, the trilogy, the sequel trilogy was. But I like that they're kind of building into that particular universe. Again, uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, we've already kind of heard mention of him and, and had some, uh, we saw him in Rebels. They've talked about him in The Mandalorian, and obviously Ahsoka's going to feature him too. I think he's a really interesting character they can do a lot with. So yeah, it's a lot to take on, and definitely a lot that we'll uh, see that's coming down the pipe. You know, it's funny. We, we had the uh, also the look at the Young Jedi series, and somebody said, Boy, I don't want to bring this up, but Order 66 is going to be a real bitch on this series. And it's like, yeah, 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 we can't be discussing that. But, you know, the thing with me is it's a matter of credibility. And I understand that you have to make sure that you have a good product. That being said, let's look at these Star Wars films. So we had Colin Trevorrow, who was going to direct... Um, episode nine or ten, excuse me. Uh, six, no, it was nine. Episode nine, excuse me. And they couldn't come to an a, an agreement on how to end the film. And they walk away from each other. And he br they bring back J.J. Abrams. So they admit they go into the the sequel trilogy without really an idea, and they just pretty much made it up as they went. We heard stories about um, 
about to go on stage and announce a Boba Fett movie by Josh Trank. And minutes before going on the stage to make the announcement, they decided not to. Trank's uh, reported issues popped up, so on and so forth. So we all know about Solo and them replacing the director's 80% done. So let's look at this list here. You mentioned Ryan Johnson's trilogy. Oh, that's coming. It's in the works. So now it's, well, he's still working on it, but he's got a Knives Out movie to do, and he's got this to do. He's really busy, which sounds to me like code for uh, hopefully you'll, we'll keep saying he's real busy and you'll forget about it. We had the Game of Thrones writers, and all we heard about was the Game of Thrones guys were going to be doing Star Wars. And reportedly they turned in some kind of drafts, then walked away, signed a deal with another studio. They're out. We had Patty Jenkins and Rogue Squadron, and we even had a promo for it and how excited she was. And then what does she walk away over? That's right, reported creative differences. And now we hear, oh, well, she's really busy, but it's not entirely done. We're still hoping to get to it in the future, as in let's not keep asking about it. Maybe you'll forget about it. Then we had good old Taiki Watiki and how we were told this is all done and this is going to be coming along and this is looking really, really good and we're all set. And all the reports about this was the furthest one along and this will likely be the next Star Wars film to come out. Now it's not even mentioned. So, like you said, we get three films, no no titles, no release dates, and again we're hearing, well, we think the, the uh, Ray one is the furthest along, so We'll probably see that in 2025. I look at it and say there, we have a credibility problem at this point. Until things go before the camera, it's very hard to take them seriously because would anybody be shocked if any of these films, outside of perhaps the Filoni one, there becomes script problems or a difference of opinion or someone walks away? I wouldn't. And that's kind of the problem right now. It's like, Let's look at this Filoni thing. You're setting something in the Mandoverse. Well, Favreau's already come out and said he's got season four written. He's already come out and said he doesn't have a clear end date in mind for the Mandalorian. So how are you going to sit there? You know, Are you basically going to wait for him to finish up before? You know, it, it seems to me like they said, oh, boy, people are expecting us to come out on stage with something. We don't have anything. Uh what are the three that are most likely to happen or worse? They're going to say, well, come hell or high water, these are coming out because we announced them. And that that's a concern. Uh, switching gears up to something that's a little more positive. We had news from cold iron studios that aliens fire team elite is getting a Nintendo switch release as well as a new map uh, for the, um, was it the horde mode, Justin? Yes. Okay, so for the Horde mode, we're getting a brand new map. So, Justin, uh, you, you handle this one. What do you make of this, and uh, how excited should we be? Yeah, so I actually have to applaud them for uh, a, a pretty cool announcement for, for Alien Day. You know, you, usually Alien Day is like, oh, you know, hopefully this will be as cool as Star Wars Celebration or uh, or May the 4th, and, it, and inevitably it's always really, really, really minor announcements. But this... Um, you know, I'm not going to say it's like a new movie or a new game or anything, but, um, you know, I do have to applaud Cold Iron Studios for uh, timing this for, you know, an announcement and then a release on Alien Day. That way, you know, it, it just makes the day a little bit more special. Um, so, 
that you know, kudos to those guys for for this. But yeah, we're getting a new patch with new content. Um, you know, the, the the I guess the big headliner. There's two big headliners. One, it's launching for Nintendo Switch, which that's cool. Um, I'm all for you know more games coming on the Switch, and uh, I think this is a good fit for it. Um, you know, good co-op shooter um, on the Switch. Uh, I, I'm definitely welcome that. But uh, you know, for me, uh, I you know I already have it on PC, so that's my uh, my platform of choice. But um, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, this new map. Um, it looks good. It looks kind of like um, you know some of the more traditional uh, areas of of um, of Alien. Um, you know the the kind of like industrial corridors and things like that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it, and really, I, I've been saying for a long time, I really think that what will give this game longevity is more horde maps. I really do like that mode a lot, where you basically, you and your friends are just trying to survive waves. Uh, I know millions of other games seem, seemingly do the same thing, but uh, with Alien, it's a little bit different. You know, this the being swarmed by xenomorphs crawl, crawling all over the walls, and then, you know, them throwing the different special aliens at you uh and you you it's just you and your uh uh your squad mates basically it really fits well with the setting so i this is really what they should be focusing on i know that they they've done a good job adding a lot of content to the game over time with new guns uh they've just added just an astronomical amount of weapons uh to the game which is great but i really think a lot of uh at this point if i were them and you know, if they're listening, uh, really the thing that's going to give the game longevity, in my opinion, is, is more maps for, for that horde mode. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that this is just a sign of things to come. And Michael, your take, please. So I haven't played, I have the game, but I haven't played it. My, uh, I like the fact that it's going to be cross-platform compatible. That I think is the way, the way things should be going, going forward for all, um, game platforms in general. My only concern, and you know, maybe Justin or, or Gareth, your take on this, but it's going to be a cloud streaming game, which, generally speaking, I don't have an issue with, because um, I've I've done you know streaming things for um, up to my PC and that sort of thing. The biggest concern I have about anything cloud streaming from a Switch is that for me, my Switch gets more play on the road. At the airport, on a plane, in a hotel, far more than it does at home. Because again, my outside of any Nintendo specific titles, um, I don't use my Switch for any regular gaming. I only use it for Nintendo specific titles or on the road. Um, so for me, anything cloud streaming for the Switch would—I don't want to say it's a deal breaker because that's not exactly fair, but. The switch, the switch's main, in my opinion, the switch's main um, draw is its ability to be used um, portably. Now, again, for an online game where you're playing with other people, you're going to have to have good internet anyway. So maybe this, maybe the cloud streaming isn't really a factor specifically for this game. Um, again, but if you're if there's any sort of solo play that you're looking to get out of this, that's not really going to be a doable thing. Again, for the, for my use case, I know there are plenty of people that use the Switch at home and they, they plug it into the dock and play on their TV and, and, you know, great for them. 
just for my specific use case and the Switch in general, anything that's that's going to be a cloud streaming type game um, just wouldn't be a big draw for me personally. Yeah, and it's interesting because at least it's something, and you know we've got the new uh, RTS style game coming in June, so hopefully uh, we'll see a lot more really good Alien games in the future. Now, one thing I'm really curious about was we had the big news drop today that Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is now being delayed yet again, this time to February 2nd, 2024. Needless to say, the gaming community is up in arms, is saying, you know, guy here says, um, Sony did a 15-minute showcase on State of Play on this. The reaction was terrible, and the game got delayed. So now we're talking another eight-month delay, and someone's saying, you know, how are you going to fix this thing? It's an ugly-looking generic shooter with 2013 mechanics, and you've got hero abilities. Remember, there was the whole question about uh, was there going to be a paywall situation related to it? Um, you know, I, I try to look at it and say, well, let's let's see what the final game looks like and goes from there. But you got to think, this is not a good sign when the initial trailer and gameplay gets such a negative reaction they announce a delay, and now they re- announce an even longer delay on top of that. So, Michael, your take. What do you make of this? My make was the game was done, or, or close enough to being done that it was going to have a release date. They took the feedback. They realized it was not going to do well, and now they're in the process of redesigning it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to redo it all, because that's years in the making. This isn't, that's not something, and I also don't think it's something where you can put a fresh coat of paint on it and call it a day. Um, so what I think is it's nine months to, you know, infinity that it'll be done. I, I, they're, I think they're, they were too far along and spent way too much money to scrap it. Even though it sounds like from what the fan feedback was that that was almost what was being, they were being told to do. So they, they took a look at it and said, well, with the fan feedback we're getting, we are not going to have a successful launch, but we're too far along to completely scrap the game at this point, so we have to do a major redesign. And I think nine months is going to be incredibly optimistic. Um, again, it depends on... There's a couple things they can do, right? Uh, they can... Um, maybe they're just adding stuff changing things up. I know there were a lot of concerns where a lot of the characters were using guns, they weren't using their special abilities, so what was the point? It it was just another shooter, right? What's the point of having superheroes, superhero villains, whatever you want to call them, anti-heroes, that have, that are heroes, have special abilities, and they're all carrying guns around. I mean, it kind of makes it a generic shooter at that point. I know that was some of the concern. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of the, the stuff they should have learned from Marvel Avengers um, when that game had its issues and, and kind of taking that to heart when they were when they were doing development on this game and seeing how that had gone. Um, I think again with the amount of backlash, they were probably hoping that it wasn't going to get the backlash it did. And given the backlash, they're back at the drawing board, and this may be a development hell far longer than even Duke Nukem was, so we'll see. Yep. Justin, your take, please. 
Yeah, I mean, this actually, to me, comes at a kind of a shock just because Rocksteady Studios, um, you know, they, they really seem like they knew that they, they were basically a top-tier uh, developer uh, coming out of the Arkham series. Now, Arkham Knight did launch with a lot of problems. Um, still to this day, I think one of the worst launches in terms of how how much backlash they got out of it. Now, to their credit, my, from my understanding, they re- they really did fix most of the technical issues, if not all the technical issues over time. So they really did put the effort in to fix the problems. Uh, but barring that, you know, the core gameplay uh, designs of their games um, uh, really, really, really well received um, and incredible. Uh, so this kind of came at a surprise to me. Um, now, Suicide Squad just as a uh, franchise is not not really my thing personally, but um, you know, just the name of Rocksteady Studios being behind it, um, you know, I I thought, well, maybe this is something I'll check out because if nothing else, the games that they make, the the Arkham series, um, really well designed, really polished, um, and really fun. So. Even even if it was a setting that they're not familiar with, and maybe it's not a setting that is not really my thing, at the very least, I was fairly confident that it was going to be a well designed, polished game. But you know, this does go to show that it really it can it can happen to really any developer, even even the you know uh, even top tier ones. They, projects sometimes just go sideways. Um, at the end of the day, is this is it the right move to delay it this much? Uh, it probably is. Because, like Michael um, pointed out, you know, if it had launched in the state that, um, you know, they basically um, showed to the public, which, which as an aside, that that really is pretty concerning uh, if you think about it, because that was a state of the game that they felt was um, not just showable to the public, but uh, enough, enough showable. T- they were. They were fine with it enough that they were fine with people playing it. Usually, when projects go sideways and games go into development hell, you don't really see anything about the games until essentially the project falls apart completely. Um, and Mass Effect Andromeda kind of comes to mind, where that game kind of notoriously had some behind the scenes issues for the entire duration of its development. And yeah, of course, it had its own marketing, but by the time it came out, you know, it was pretty clear that they knew they knew that they they had an issue on their hands and there was just was no there was no choice but to release what they had. This is a little bit different. This seems like it kind of caught them off guard how negative the reaction would be, which kind of is a little bit concerning because it just shows a judgment issue (laughs) potentially uh, about what's going on. But I do think it's the right move. It gives it a chance. You know, I don't know if nine months is a, is enough time to turn it around, but at least uh, they are um, taking feedback into account, and hopefully they get uh, something released that people like. Yeah, hopefully. I am going to say I'm going to have to wait and see, but it does also lead into our discussion that we've had in the past about, um, you know, all the, the reports that a lot of studios were just saying we're not going to have anything playable slash viewable by the time E3 rolls around. And, you know, when we heard about Ubisoft, naturally one of our next thoughts was, oh, this will be a great time for uh, 
Warner Brothers to show what they have. Well, <laughs> now we realize uh, they didn't have to show what we thought they did. Uh, one thing that we did get a little bit of a show on was the brand new trailer for the Marvels, the next Marvel movie that is coming after uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is slated to do a $130 million opening in the U.S., according to the latest reports. So, uh, Michael, you start again. What did you make of this new trailer? So I will be the first to say that I thought I like Miss Marvel, the Disney Plus series. I thought it was really good. Um, I liked the character. I liked the casting. I thought they did a really good job with it. Um, obviously, Captain Marvel was a great. I liked that movie too. It was a great movie. I'm a little torn on this one, and and the reason I'm torn on it is I can appreciate a, a, a funny, quote unquote, funny Marvel uh, movie. Um, I I thought. Ant-Man Quantumania was actually a pretty good movie, and I don't necessarily think it deserved the, the ratings and the critic back, backlash it got, so I thought it was really well told. This movie, with the, with the trailer I saw, yeah, it looks... It gives me a feeling of like a, a family movie, a family fun movie, and I don't really know if I want that out of a Marvel cinematic universe movie uh, again maybe i'm being a little bit too harsh with it um but and but again i i just it just didn't wasn't really something that it, the, the preview at least really didn't draw me in i think that's been a big problem with a lot of the recent marvel movies is they're they're fine as one-off story-based movies they're fine as as you know again i'm okay with a one-off movie i have no problem with that if they're using this to continue to drive the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe forward into a bigger climax, kind of like what we did with Thanos, I don't see that movie taking us there. And again, I know it's early. Um, I know it's 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 just one preview. But again, it, it, it looks to me like a great standalone film, but does not look like it's going to drive the Cinematic Universe forward in any interesting way. Just in your take, please. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm with Mark, Michael on this. Uh, like completely. Um, now I did not watch uh, Miss Marvel the TV show. Um, so th- that might be also part of the reason. I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna like be totally negative on on the trailer. But uh, I guess what I will say is that it didn't. It didn't really grip me either. And I. I sort of chalked that up a little bit too. Well, I didn't. I did not see Miss Marvel. So. Um, I, I don't I'm I'm missing context I'm missing a piece of the puzzle you know I'm I my thought watching the trailer was well maybe this would be more interesting um you know if if you had watched Miss Marvel because it really seemed like that was the show that this is you know jumping off of um it, it's just my assumption but I guess my issue too just to echo what Michael is saying is I'm not just tonally I'm not quite sure what they're going for. Um, you know, a lot of times they, they do such a good job, uh, of basically taking kind of a genre and then Marvel, Marvel-fying it, if, if, uh, uh, if I can just make up a word. Um, but basically the idea of, you know, one of the movies I think in the MCU that really stands out, just an incredible movie, Winter Soldier. And I go to this example as the Marvel-fying effect where you take a, 
a really well-established genre, like a, you know, a spy, espionage, James Bond, Jason Bourne type movie. And then like, oh, well, we're going to do that. But like Marvel, the Marvel version of it. And it worked out really, really well. Um, one of the best movies of the entire MCU, I would say. Uh, that said, I'm not 100% sure what they're going for with this. I might have to see another trailer. Um, but also, you know, for some people, it's uh, certain characters are, you know, really gripping um, and others aren't, uh, d- just depending on the person. Like, I like Spider-Man, obviously. He's my favorite. So if he's in a movie, then that's instantly going to be more gripping to me than a movie that is starring uh, heroes that uh, I don't find quite as interesting. And I think that also is, is the case with this one. I'm not really super interested in any of the, the primary characters. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'm, I'm curious to see the direction it goes. Cause I'm assuming that there is more under, under wraps about, about this movie um than what they're showing in the first trailer yeah i looked at the trailer and my vibe was it looks like a disney plus series and which isn't a bad thing i enjoyed uh you know miss marvel but you know you expect a big event film with marvel and there's been all this talk about well maybe we're getting too many films and maybe we need to throttle back some who knows? It'll be interesting to see what the final reception of it is, because um, I didn't hate it, but it didn't drive me the same way that um, the Guardians trailer did. But see, of course, with the Guardians, we know what to expect. With this one, we have that uh, difficult situation of, well, we knew what Captain Marvel was about. Um, we know what the Mar- uh, Miss Marvel is about. But how are they all going to work together? And also, let's not forget, it also is going to have that early, you know, 90s time frame. So, uh, but then again, they may jump around through time. I was happy to see the Flurkin was in it. That I thought that was one of the more interesting uh, characters. So, um, hopefully it'll be entertaining. And uh, hopefully we will see Marvel get on track. So uh, one other thing I wanted to mention really quick, guys, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but it was a big bit of news this week. And that was the news that the uh, eagerly awaited Bethesda game Redfall is only going to run at 4K 30 FPS on Xbox Series X and 1440 30 FPS on Series S. Now, a quality mode to get it up to 60 frames per second will arrive uh, alongside, uh, well, for the game at a quote-unquote later date. They said those who purchase the PC um, will not have this restriction. Is this a big deal? Uh, Should they wait until the 60 frames per second is available for everyone at launch? Or uh, isn't it? Because, you know, the net's been divided on this. Some people are saying... What are you griping about? It's running at 30 frames a second in 4K as long as it's smooth. That's all you need. And others are saying, well, you know, similar for the Series S. Uh, Justin, you start us off with this. Yeesh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, I'm kind of torn on this myself. Um, 
I'm all. I guess I what I usually default to is I'm all for giving people more choices, and it's something I always appreciate in in a console game, is when they give you an option for like, okay, you've got a, a 4K television. Do you want do you want the 4K resolution at 30 frames per second, um, or do you want it uh, running buttery smooth at a at a lower resolution? Um, I always appreciate that choice uh, personally. Now. Uh, I can understand though that there are there are business decisions to to take into account, and let, let's say that they're having issues uh, performance wise getting that other that other mode to work um, to their standards. Uh, there's always this there's always that option to release the game and then patch you know uh, features in at at a later time, um, which generally I'm against, but. Uh, it's just the reality that we have to live in now that that's that's something we have to live with so you know if it's me personally it's not really going to bother me much but i'm also not going to um you know I, i'm not going to disparage anybody for for taking issue with, with it um especially you know because it's it's someone's money if they only if they only have a xbox series s or series x and um you know, it's this is important to them, uh, an important feature for playing the game. Then, then obviously, it it definitely will affect their decision making on whether to purchase it at launch. Okay, and Michael, what do you make? Well, I mean, I'm glad I get it on PC. But um, the thing about so I saw a survey on this, and I think it was like the survey was how important is a game playing at 60 frames per second versus 30 frames per second to you. I think the survey was like, I don't know, 60% said not all that important. Um, cause, because, I don't know, it, it depends on the person, right? It depends on what they're used to playing. It depends on what kind of quality they're looking for. Um, you know, for, for a lot of folks in the Xbox 360 PS3 days, we all have 30 frames per second. That's what it was. Even without, without, you know, 4K wasn't even a thing then. It was just HD at 30 frames per second. A lot of people didn't complain and have pretty fond memories of that. Some people are a lot more sensitive to it as well. I think if you're a, a PC gamer or, or somebody who has only been playing newer titles, um, you know, even 60 frames per second is too slow. You're, you're talking about people who want 120 frames per second or higher. Um, if you're just a strictly a console gamer, or if you're even just a, a, a casual shooter console gamer, uh, is, is 30 frames per second even going to be that perceivable? Again, it depends on the person. Uh, for me, it's a non-issue because I'm going to get it on PC anyways. Um, I, I think it, that they're offering the fact that they are working on a, a patch to bring that up to 60 frames per second. I think that's good. Um, I think it's, and again, releasing a game that doesn't play well at 60 frames per second is laggy and causes problems is far worse than releasing a game that will only play at 30, that'll be locked at 30 frames per second initially with a patch that'll allow them to go up to 60 frames per second later. Because the last thing you want to do is release a game that people are trying to get 60 frames per second, it's lagging and all over the place, and it causes a bad experience. Because you can have a fantastic experience at 30 frames per second depending on who you are. Now, again, if you're a gamer who used to playing at 120 frames per second, even 60 frames per second can be a noticeable lag based on your experience. You know, if you're, but again, it's going to be individual-based. 
I, I think again, I think it's better that they're they're locking it so everybody will have a smooth experience with the ability for it to go up to sixty. Um, I think the S um, again, the S shouldn't come as a surprise because it was never the hardware level that the X was uh, or the PlayStation Five was. It's a it's a cheaper console for a reason. Um, I think again, at some point they're going to have to start looking to not put as much effort into the S just like they are with um, Xbox One. But again, I, I think it's going to be a very individual based. Will it be a, a, a deal deal under? I don't know. Not for Xbox, probably not, because it's going to come out on Game Pass free day one anyways. So if you're getting it for free, I don't know that you care. So we'll have to see how it matters, if it really matters. Absolutely. You know, my take on it is I go back to the days of the Sierra where we would have games like I remember NASCAR 4, which specifically pushed the boundaries of what the current technology was available. And we'd get these people coming out and saying stuff like, why am I only getting 32 frames a second? I've got a blank, blank, blank with a blank, blank, blank processor and a card. And, you know, I, I got to a point where I said, okay, how's the game look? Oh, it looks great. How's it running? Oh, smooth as glass. And then, you know, it's like, okay, so what exactly is the problem? You know, it seems to me like you just want to brag. You see these people, oh, I can run this at 100 frames. I can run it at this. It's like, you know what? Does it look good? Does it run smoothly? Does it play well? That's all that really matters. Anything, you know, this under-the-table stuff is nice, but, you know, I've seen games run at 30 frames a second that actually played better and games that ran at 60, and other, you know, way around. And like you, Michael, I'm playing it on PC, so I know what I'm I'm in for. Now, the last topic tonight is one that can definitely go on forever, and we are not going to do that. We're going to just do a very quick uh, kind of a run-through on this. And um, this is kind of what I am a little shocked over. So the other day we got news that... Um, as expected, HBO is going to be uh, no longer HBO Max and just going to be called The Max. And then we got the news that there is a 10-year commitment to essentially rebooting the Harry Potter books by recasting all the roles and redoing all the books as a TV series over the next 10 years. Uh, needless to say, a lot of fans weren't thrilled over this. They thought that the Current films were more than adequate, and while they had some issues with um, the Fantastic Beast films, most people do not believe that recasting the roles and redoing the original series versus creating new content uh, is the way to go. Justin, do you have a take on that? Yeah, so I'm I'm in that camp that I'm skeptical and. You know, I, I do my, my caveat for this is that I am really usually naturally skeptical about um, announcements until I'm <laughs> until I'm proven otherwise. And usually I am. So, you know, um, the way I look at this is there are there are cases for making or redoing an adaption Um Dune is my go-to example for this. So there was an attempted Dune, there were several actually, attempted Dune adaptions to film or screen, I should say, um, over the course of the last, like, 50 years. Um, famously, you know, David Lynch tried 
um, to adapt Dune um, to mixed results. Uh, some people liked David Lynch's Dune from uh, the 80s, um, and some others didn't. And there was another attempt to do it um, more uh, at the at the TV level with sci-fi, and that one, you know, lacked. The, it was you know a better adaptation of the novel, but it lacked the uh, the budget. So the, e- either case, it left a a little bit of a void of well, you know, this was an attempt, and they got some things right, but uh, man, it would be really cool if somebody actually like nailed it and got it right. And now we have um, the the new adaptions of Dune, and it's basically nailed it. The other example I use is Lord of the Rings. Um, obviously, there there was an animated version of Lord of the Rings, um, and then Peter Jackson uh, adapted all three novels in the early two thousands. And honestly, you watch those movies, and at no point at least in, in my opinion that there's no point in those movies where uh where I watch those and I say hey that could be executed better like he absolutely nailed it um the in his first attempt to do it and those movies stand the test of time yeah for sure you you can watch him and you can see that some of the effects um are dated but that alone I don't think is enough to justify another adaption of Lord of the Rings. I would have the same reaction if somebody attempted to, to adapt it again. And that's sort of how I see the cool. Harry Potter films. Uh the Harry Potter films are, are great adaptions of the books. I mean, they're not they're not perfect, um, of course. I mean, generally speaking, everybody who reads the books generally says that the books are better than the movies. Um but overall I think most people would agree that the, the movies that we got were good adaptions of the books. Uh, they look they look good. Um, you know, I, I think they still hold up. Um, and I guess that's one of the issues with trying to adapt this is that it's always going to be held to that standard. Like what what are you going to be doing with this adaption that that actually uh, exceeds the originals? Um, not to mention uh, it's just a long term project which in, in and of itself is, is always a risk. Um, you know, they're, they're, they announced that this is going to be basically a 10-year attempt to adapt all the, the Harry Potter novels. Uh, that's, that's basically signing on child actors for <laughs> like 10 years, a decade, um, and keeping them in those roles the entire time, which is definitely doable. Obviously, they did it with the original, but, um, you know, there's just always going to be that pressure on them to compare their their performances to like the beloved performances of these other actors who who did it very well uh not that long ago so um you know i'm i'm curious uh if they can pull it off uh that would be very interesting um uh, i i'm curious at the attempt but uh i'm i'm just a little a little skeptical and michael your uh final word on this yeah i think it's a bad idea i'll just be out because I agree with Justin. There are movies that and, and shows that need to be redone because at the time when they were done, there were limits to CGI. There were there, they weren't done well. And Dune is a good example of that. Um, that was a movie that, yes, it has a cult following. Yes, I saw it as a kid. I have some fond memories of it, but it's not good. I, I'm sorry, it's just not the not when you compare it to the book or you compare it to the, the remake of the movie. Um, 
the Harry Potter movies, I think, still hold up fine today. Uh, I think you can have a kid who's never seen the original Harry Potter movies. They can watch it, and it's not going to feel like a movie that came out in the 80s, right? You know, as opposed to, you know, if we go back and look at, you know, I think Star Wars is, is a really good example. Not not talking about the extended editions, but the original. Um, I think we would have been fine without added footage to those movies. I think those movies hold up just fine today. And that's that's very telling given the time when they were um, released because that was not the norm, um, you know. So and I think the Harry Potter movies are like that. Do they perfectly model the books? Of course not. The books better always. That's I think that's something you hear regardless of how great a series is or how great a movie is. But but it would be again, it would be like again to Justin's point, redoing the Lord of the Rings trilogy today. Is that really is it necessary? Yeah, no. Um, would it be better to maybe spin off that world and do some other some other stories in that world that doesn't doesn't just revolve around Harry Potter. Um, maybe. Uh, again, the, the world, you know, the Fantastic Beasts, they've done some building with that. Um, but again, I, I don't I don't think this is the right direction for that franchise. Um, outside of the, the, there's already a pretty, it's pretty divisive now with um, just how people feel about you know, the, the author, you know, and not to get into that that piece of it, because I, I tend to look at it more of, you know, are the movies enjoyable outside of the the, the views of the author or, or, or some of those things. But it is, even with the game release that came out this year, um, that was a huge factor in the game. Did it sell well? Absolutely. Did it have controversy uh, around it? Absolutely. Um, is, is remaking this good decision? Uh, probably not. And again, again, 10 years is a long time um, to to deliver on something, uh, particularly when it involves children, because children grow out of roles, children go on to do other things, other issues occur with child actors. There's The fact that they were able to do the movies with that same cast, for the most part, the entire time was outstanding. I think they, they think they still hold up today, and I really don't think there's a, there's a reason to do this. I just don't think it's going to have the, the draw that they're hoping for. And the other thing we have to factor in is, let's not be negative, but there is a lot of turmoil over at Warner Brothers. How are we even sure that the current regime or various powers that be are still going to be in place over the course of 10 years? And uh, let's say it gets a less than enthusiastic response. How committed are they going to be to it? I think the future would definitely be um, you know, I've, I've heard so many say, what about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, you know, da, 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 all these other things. How about a sequel series about their children? Any number of things. Don't go back to this. So, ah, crazy time. That is going to do it for us, everybody. I hope you have a very, very good week ahead. Uh, stay safe, be well, and we'll talk to you soon.